Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Manchester Football Social, EFL and Below Show with Football Mank Cave. Hello, this is the EFL and Below show in association with the Football Man Cave. We are the Manchester Football Social. And when I say Manchester, I really mean it. I mean Greater Manchester, but not Manchester United, not Manchester City. I'm talking Oldham, Berry, Rochdale, the EFL and Below. We're going to be talking about Bolton Wanderers, a potential new takeover there. After all the troubles they've had with Ken Anderson, a massive derby day coming up in League Two. Berry against Oldham is only a whisker away. Way. And of course, how can we not talk about Salford City and what's going on there? As well as that, we're going to take a look at the National League North too. And if you want to get involved, you can. On Twitter, it's at MCRFootySocial. Use the hashtag EFL below. If there's anything you want us to discuss in the podcast, send us a tweet and let us know. Joining me, Niall McCorn, in the studio today, we've got Ian Foran from the Football Man Cave. Hello, my friend. Hello, hello. And Aaron is also with us. Aaron Benson, how are you? Hello, very good, very good. How, how are, are you? you? I'm good, yeah. Formalities out of the way. I'm waiting for one week where everyone goes, no, I'm not, no. not very good this no. It's been a rubbish week. Maybe. What we're we doing here? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe when Berry play Portsmouth in the Checker Trade Trophy uh, in a few days' time, maybe I might be in a bad mood for the next podcast and Aaron will be in a really good mood, depending <laughs> on the result. I'm hoping not. But Ian's got a quiz for us a bit later on. He's going to put us through our paces, Aaron. Oh, Usually it's you against Ian. It's me against you this time. I've been reading up on every fact going. I'm only joking. <laughs> no, I haven't. I can't wait to see Niall's um, competitive street, mate. Oh. I'm looking forward to this. I hate losing. I've had no sleep thinking about it. Anyway, thanks for joining us on the EFL and Below show. Let's get stuck straight into it and talk about the National League North. A few podcasts ago, guys, we were talking about Ashton United and Kurz and Ashton, the two Ashton underlying clubs being towards the bottom of the National League North. But Kurz and Ashton, since they've made a few changes a couple of weeks ago, well, maybe a couple of months ago now, really, but they've boosted right up the table, in, and now they're, they're knocking on the door of the playoffs. Yeah, it's been a crazy turnaround since uh, Matt Bradshaw took over. They only lost the first match last weekend of like, 2019. And... What they're twelfth now, the six point no five points, sorry, of playoffs. Mm. And like I say, they were down near the bottom. They were they were kind of not scrapping for for survival, but they were it was just gonna be one of them seasons where it was just gonna peter out basically and then the turnaround yeah. has been unbelievable. And you look at the form table, you see Curzon in twelfth, as you say, at the time of recording, they've won three, drawn one and lost one of the last five. Whereas you look at Chester who are in eighth, they've lost three, drawn one and won one of their last five. So if you're looking at form I mean, Kurz and Ashton are that form team. Yeah, they're the form team. And you look at the uh, National League North and all the football leagues that we talk about, 
you know, the, the marathons, not sprints, aren't they? The, the duration of the season is huge and you've got to pick your moments to uh, really find your form. And obviously we can see Curzon have found so much form at the moment, obviously under the uh, the new managers come in. Uh, definitely had a good managerial effect, the bounce that we've got. And they're only five points off the playoffs and playing Altrincham. This does feel like a sort of a massive six-pointer because Altrincham, when they can, you know, bridge a user te- almost like a nine-point gap, between mm. them and Curzon, and if Curzon win, they can uh, they can go within a couple of points of the playoffs. So it really does feel a season-defining game. Obviously, there's about 12, 13 games left of the season exactly. to go. Exactly. I mean, it almost feels like it's now or never to. Uh, sure. Really if you want to hit, if you want to hit form, now's the time. Yeah, yeah. this is your real and time. It'll show Curzon as well. It'll it'll show them as as playoff contenders. I think if they win. Yeah. Yeah. This definitely. is your uh, time to make the push, isn't it? And obviously, going to Altrincham who are in 7th, just uh, catching the playoffs at the moment. You have Chester, Boston, Kidderminster, just a few points behind them. And you you really just can't have a, a bad week. No, that's right. Bradford PA as well, slipping down the table. Telford have also uh, not won too many of the last few games. Brackley are really making a surge up into the playoffs. It seems like anyone's game right now. Really like we were saying, Curzon have got that chance to really sort of you know, put a rocket up their backsides and get up into those playoffs. I mean, but the league is so erratic. One team that have been solid, though, is Stockport. 14-game unbeaten yeah. run. Jim Gannon's doing it again. Third time lucky. But it's, <laughs> is it a record? Is it a record for him? 14, is it 14 league games as well? I don't know if it's a record, but they're, 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 they've, been, they've been sensational. I mean, I've, I've only seen them once or twice this season. I saw them at home against York City about a month or so ago. And they just blew York away, you know. And I know York—they're down. They're down in 14th. They're not. A, they're not a terrible side, but they made them look like a terrible side because of how well they've been playing. So testament to Gannon and, and how well he's got the lads firing. It has, and like I said, the level on points now—it's only goal difference. They are a game in front of Charlie, but um, said to where they are. I mean, it's great to see. Like I say, I, I've said it over and over again to see them sleeping giants finally wake up, and hopefully we can sort of, hopefully they can they can push on that little bit more. I mean, Charlie have lost two out of the last five. Mm. Um, Spenny Moore are looking good as well in third with two games at hand. But I, I think if Stockport can continue this run, I mean, it's inevitable at some point they're going to lose. Like, mm. You can't see them going unbeaten until the end of the season. But if they can put themselves in a, a decent position, mm. there is only one automatic promotion place. That's the only thing. And it's, it's a lot to fight for, but I'd love to see him back up in I National mean, League. I think they've pretty much cemented playoffs now, Aaron. Yeah. If you look, I mean, 15 points. I mean, I can't see them dropping 15 points. Can you? No, I think it'd be a disappointment now almost not go up automatically. I mean, we're seeing the playoffs. If you finish second, you almost might as well finish seventh. It really can be a, a massive lottery, the playoffs. And uh, for Stockport, you're, they're a team that you probably wouldn't want to come up against. Just, you know, when they have that momentum and the enthusiasm and the energy to play, they're probably quite unstoppable because I think it's almost easy to underestimate the size of the club, the massive fan base they sure. have, the mm. attendance they can draw in. And uh, you get a few neutrals watching Stockport. And as we can say, they're playing so very well at the moment. Obviously, the imme- the media attention they're going to get, hence, you know, while we're talking about it. And they're a kind of a club where, where, you know, they just catch fire. They just get a bit of a wind under the sails. They, uh, they shoot up the league. And obviously, what we've seen, they've been struggling for some time now, just uh, punching well below the weight. They've been all stalling. They've, not, they've got to a point. They've got to National League North. They've never got worse. Almost, it probably couldn't get much worse for Stockport but uh, just to see them go up I think from a football point of view because we all want to see mm. uh, the big sides the traditional sides of football you know your Leeds your Notts Counties 
uh, Notts Forest. You almost, you almost want to see them, in my opinion, you want to see themselves doing well. Yeah, I agree with you. But what about the other end of the table? we got to look at it, even though it's painful viewing for Ashton United and FC United fans. Now, Neaton, rock bottom, basement boys of the National League North, they look pretty much gone to me. I don't think there's any hope of them staying up. SC United and Ashton, it's getting harder and harder for those two sides down the bottom of the table. FC United, no win in five. They lost four in a row prior to their draw at the weekend. So it's really not it's really not looking good for FC United, is it? No, I mean, what are FC United? Eight points off safety. Ashton United, six points off safety. Uh, I mean, I thought when, when Ashton beat FC, I thought that would be a real turning point for them. Um, they won the second game after that, and then they've not won since. And it's, it is that gaps, that gaps lengthening, and the games are running out. So I think mm. it's quite hard to say, but I, I, I believe... A, Barring a miracle, I've seen United are down here now. I mean, what is the like fourteen games left of the season? But it's it's going to take an absolute miraculous recovery to to climb into safety position. For it's me. one of those when you're uh, your team you're down at the bottom. FC United, mm. also like Ashton United, the games are running out and you've got no confidence. And feels like as soon as the first goal goes in against you, it's like my God, no, no, again, again, and again. And it becomes like almost a damage limitation exercise. You know, how do we prevent it not being five or six? Because their confidence is so low compared to Stockport, where it's so high. I mean, the uh, the gap is just absolutely huge. And when you, you do have no confidence and you, you're losing every week, like FC United and Manchester have been on a real bad losing run, the, the no belief you have. And if you are down at the bottom, the minimal expectation you have. And one comfort is just to have a bit of confidence that a miracle just may happen. But that just doesn't look like either side have got it. Yeah, I mean, Ashton were, were unlucky midweek. They, they lost 4-3 at last minute. Uh, against Telford, FC United drew three all that weekend. So mm. the goals are there, but it's obviously the leaky defence. That's that's like the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The problem, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. I was thinking of a more bigger word, but I think, yeah, the problem. If yeah. they can fix that leaky defence, obviously, I know it's easy a, to say, but bring a thesaurus into the. Uh, I know. Should have had one this morning. Should have. Should have eaten one. <laughs> that's our National League North roundup here on the Manchester Football Social. This is the EFL and Below Show. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Berry against Oldham is perhaps the biggest League Two derby we could have uh, we could have hoped for this season, particularly considering the situation both clubs find themselves in. Bury, of course, flying high towards the top end of the division, trying to get themselves out of League Two and back into League One. Oldham, new manager Paul Scholes, did lose on Tuesday night against Morecambe in uh, disappointing fashion, it has to be said. Two sides with contrasting fortunes this season, but it's a derby game. And as we know, in derby games, sometimes the form book just goes straight out the window and it's all about who wants it more on the day. Yeah, you um, especially with Oldham, they'll be bringing a huge following and Scholes, he wants to put his marker down sooner rather than later. He knows the, uh, the critics will be... Uh, have the will be sharpening the pencils, ready to uh, lay a few digs in. Should it not go well? Obviously, they've only had three games, and for him to to make his mark as early as uh, his fourth game at Berry would be absolutely huge for the uh, for Berry. On the other hand, they're uh, they're flying. It seems like everything they touch uh, turns to turns to gold in many ways. If they win, uh, Mansfield lose, they can um, go into second, and it feels like sort of they're almost clawing away from the playoffs in terms of in a good direction and. Uh, where automatic promotion when they last played Oldham at Christmas was probably a hope rather than an expectation. It definitely feels though that's changed around now and if they weren't to go up automatically that'd uh, be seen as a disappointment but also I think you've got to say that is a massive compliment to Berry to the work Ryan Lowe's done, the way he's turned the club around from the 
the pitfalls of last season, they were down at the bottom. I think what's so interesting uh, when you're comparing Bury and Oldham, they both came down from League One at the same time. They were both relegated at the end of the last season. And you probably would have said Oldham have got a better chance than Bury of going up this season from where the clubs were. Mm. And if you just look at the gap between Bury and Oldham, um, at the moment, as we can see, Bury are in third, Oldham are in 11th. Probably the chances of the playoffs are more optimistic than uh, than realistic. But I think the challenge for his goals was, it will to be whether... They uh, Oldham pick up a point, they win or they lose, which is quite probable at Bury since the form they've had at Gig Lane. It will just be, how do I get my team to where Bury are for next season? And you can look at the model and look at the way Ryan Lowe's done to sort of get, put that into place. Obviously, the game does mean a lot for both sides. I think Bury, they're, they're being chased down quite closely by Mansfield, you know, just two points behind them. But in terms of what it could mean for a team's season, beating... Berry could be huge for Oldham. There's five teams on 46 points, stretching from 11th to 15th. So, I mean, for them, if they can get that win over Berry in a derby, new manager in Skulls would have been disappointed with the way they lost against Morecambe. But that's the sort of rocket fuel you need sometimes, isn't it? To try and get your season back on track again. If they're going to make a tilt for the playoffs, like we were saying uh, about the National League North, then what a game to win. A derby game against your rivals chasing the playoffs you know that that can be a real good sort of boost for them the thing is last time Oldham Berry met um in the last in the last year sorry Berry were the form side Oldham were all over the gaff and Oldham turned them over 4-2 yeah I'd say form goes out the window when it comes to like a a derby match obviously Skulls has now tasted a win a draw and a loss so Mm. you'll kind of know them feelings early doors are out the way they're done yeah um and obviously, it's the winning feeling that they want. If they can, if they can get some at Berry, which not many teams have really got at Gig Lane. Yeah, they've been excellent at home. Yeah, this um, it puts them in such because they're only six points off playoffs, and it is one of them like Oldham were were bang on mid table, but they were they were closer to playoffs than they were. They were never in fear of relegation, but you feel like, especially in this league, a decent little run can really propel you up the up the league. And like I say, if, if they can get something, even even if it's a draw, it's just something that like you've gone to Berry at Gig Lane and you've got some out of it, and that could be something that can just push them on for them last last turn, that last little sprint. I mean, it'd be a massive confidence booster for Scholes in terms of him as a manager if he can go and sort of tactically nullify low in terms of the strategy, both uh, reasonably new to the game. Uh, well, Scholes definitely new to the game, and just say if they can get something, even if you know they have a period where they look the better team compared to Bury. Obviously, the fans will be going expecting them to maybe get a draw, or maybe they've got a puncher's chance of a win. You don't really know. Looking at the table and Bury's form, you're thinking they should be firm favourites to win. But as you've said before, now in the derby games, yeah. you don't think about form, do you? You no, literally no. go. You've got the uh, the extra enthusiasm. The blood runs quicker through your body, and you just uh, you just go for it, I guess. And what about all... what about Bury though, in terms of I mean, do they like being the chaser, chasing down Lincoln? Lincoln have been sat pretty at the top for most of the season. I mean, what would happen, let's just say they beat Oldham, Lincoln don't get a result, they've had four draws in a row at the top of Mm. League Two. Would Barry be better off chasing down an opponent like Lincoln or would they be better off being the one that's getting chased? Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, I wonder how that will change the dynamic of the players. If they do end up beating Oldham, they finish on top of the table for the end of that weekend yeah. is that going to change the mentality the mindset do you think uh, no I think well I think the mindset will always be just automatic promotion 
thinking in some case you obviously want to come first you obviously want to go down you're just the champions of league two from that season but i think the biggest gap the biggest hurdle Barry will have come over is getting into the top three and sort of making a little gap obviously as we stand there's a four point gap between them and mk dons at the moment so i actually think the biggest uh, problem for them the biggest obstacle was getting into the automatic promotion places and sort of staying there and just uh building up building up a bit of a gap between them and the teams that trail them because we know you can throw almost in the football league you can throw a blanket over the teams between sort of second seventh eighth in the league but if Berry can maybe sort of continue to build that gap that will probably be a bigger obstacle than for them than say coming top of league uh, league two I think the main aim still will be prom- to be promoted mm-hmm. rather than to be champions what about the other end of the table I know it's slightly out of greater Manchester but we spoke about it when we first started doing the EFL and below show Macclesfield Town we thought that under Sol Campbell it might be a little bit of a lost cause going in there to Macclesfield but fair play to him uh, along with a torrid run of form for Yeovil Macclesfield are now just one point from being pretty much safe one or two points Notts County though breathing down their necks they've picked up a few points as well since Michael Doyle's gone in there sort of newfound enthusiasm over at Notts but Macclesfield I mean just showing that these managers that we know recently from recent times like Campbell Ryan Lowe Paul Scholes, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, all the rest of them are actually doing okay, given a chance. Yeah, all right, and say your points to Yeovil and Port for Port Vale. They've had a bad turn of form, and if mm. like I said just being one point out, it just gives you that little bit of we're not that far away. You know, like one little this weekend, it could be Maxfield win, Yeovil lose, and then it just gives you that boost on it. And Saul Campbell, obviously, I mean, I don't think there's an harder, an harder challenge in the. First league job. football to, yeah, challenge, yeah. probably, I'd say. So, fair play to him to like, take over at Macclesfield. And the thing is, I mean, obviously, relegation, but you can't do any worse. You know I mean, like, everybody expected him to get relegated because of the start. So, for him, he's just like, so it's it's not a win win, but it's like, let's just let's just go with it. Let's just battle our hearts out and let's just try and get up and, and get and grab as close to that safety position as we possibly can it's almost not too it's not all a disgrace to Campbell that they've uh, they've stayed in there haven't they they're competing yeah. and they've actually created a relegation battle where to the point where there's 10 games to go you're 10 points cut adrift and it's kind of you're just counting down the games till the end of the season and it becomes a painful finish that's where the, the opposite of that's happened and they've actually given themselves a fairly good chance of getting a Getting, becoming safe in the league. Obviously, we know Port Vale and Yeovil, they're in a, having a torrid run of form. And just feel for Macclesfield, you know, they're just digging in, aren't they? Getting the results, you know, just uh, even just to build on something, maybe, you know, get eight points from five games or something, you know, and comparing, say, Berry and Macclesfield is so, so different because the approach that the clubs will take to um, going up or going up to League One or just staying in League Two and as I said before the fact that Campbell steadied the ship he's made things very stable and they've given them a chance of staying up uh, you've got to give him great, great credit for that Back to the Derby game though obviously Berry against Oldham Berry unbeaten in 11 games but do you think the Oldham fans will have a bit more confidence in their side to be able to go there and pick up three points because if it's me it's a Derby game I'm thinking oh no I don't really want to play them to be honest because they're flying they're yeah. 11 unbeaten. They look like they're going to get automatic promotion. And it's just one of those where you go to the game and you think, oh, no, what's going to happen? We're going to get drubbed. But, I mean, at the same time, like what I was saying before, derby games, you kind of always have that hope in your stomach. You think, oh, you know, we can do it. Yeah. Do you think Oldham fans will be realistic about the game? Like, if they lose, obviously, it's awful to lose a derby. It's the worst feeling in the world. sickening. But they'll probably think, well, they're one of the best teams we'll come up against this year. I think, I think the result from last time will will I'd give him a, a, a kick basically obviously like I said 
it was 4-2 and uh, nobody expected that result and I remember watching it myself and I was like Jesus you know the goals were yeah. just waiting to a flying start so I think if they'd have lost the previous match I think it would have just been a case of let's just let's just go for day out type thing and hopefully we'll get a win but I think because they've turned them over already and Oldham obviously have got the, the new manager bounce that they're hoping for mm. Scholes will, will play hopefully to get back to winning ways I think Oldham might just go there with a little bit of hope I think and they'll be like yeah, I reckon we can do these this weekend why not it's, it's reckoning mentality. And sorry, carry on. Thanks. You've just got to go in with this. All uh, we've got nothing to lose. Mentality kind of feel. The chances of uh, Oldham going up are very slim, and the chances of them going down are almost very slim. If you obviously we know football's not like this, but if you go off the uh, the uh, the theory of well, if we can't beat Morecambe at home, then we're probably never going to beat Bury away, kind of thing. But on a derby game, I wouldn't look at it in that way. I'd look at it. We just go out. We uh, we see what we can do. As I said before. The Molden players have got to be coming off the pitch at the end of the game thinking, and also before the game, we came down with Berry at the end of last season. Look where they are now, look where we are. So Oldham can take a lot of comfort from Berry and a lot of confidence from Berry thinking, right, next season we can really make the promotion push. And I just feel like towards the end of the season there'll be a lot of experimenting going. Skulls is learning on the job. He's um almost this is the the time where he can make mistakes if they go and, you know, have a bad afternoon and uh, can see three or four goals. It doesn't matter because they can learn to improve for next season. They've had a couple of, after the great start they had against uh, Yorville Town, they've had a couple of, uh, they've uh, drawn one and lost one. They were the two home games. But Mm. it doesn't almost, for me, it's not a disaster because if he's going to make the mistakes, this now is okay. He can make them and learn for them. And it's next season that uh, it really matters. In a year's time, if this is going wrong, thinking... Hang on a minute, is this guy up for the job? Is he really yeah. uh, managerial material? So it's next season that it'll really matter. Should they go and they lose? Berry are probably going to get promoted. Everyone knows how they are. But the worrying thing will be that we came down together, but the gap between the clubs is just too big. Yeah, the, it certainly has grown the gap between the two sides. What about the gap between the two sides when Berry take on Portsmouth in the Checker Trade Trophy? We're looking forward to this one at the EFL and Below show. Ian's smiling, grin on his face because he knows there's a quiz on the way. He's it's going to test me an hour. I, I don't know what you got in store for us, mate, if I'm honest. Mate, honestly, I, I'm, I'm buzzing with myself. <laughs> oh, He's a happy man, goodness. happy man. Very Before happy. we get into the quiz, <laughs> Portsmouth have had an arrest of form. They were top of the league for a long time. Now they've dropped down into fourth. No win since New Year's Day. As a Berry sort of follower, Aaron, are mm. you confident that, that the Shakers can go into that game and actually do the business over Portsmouth because well, the f- they, they are the informed terms. Berry are by far the more informed team. And Berry are at home which he's got to take massive uh, heartening from. And also, Berry have been very, very successful in this uh, in the checker trade. And I think there is a belief around the ground now, we're one woman away from Wembley. Mm. We might never get into this position again. Yeah. Not, uh, you know, We might as well just go for it. If we lose, we can say at the end of the season, you know, we got to the semi-final. You know, that if you'd have said at the start of the season, you're going to be, you know, great chance of going up automatically in the semi-final of the checker trade. The fans had to snap your hand off immediately back in August. So this will be a game which I think maybe five, six weeks ago um, you think thinking, we've probably not got a chance or even when the draw was made. But uh, football's all about when the form you find teams in and what the opposition is in. Football's about results. It's a results business and I'm going to get a result over you in, in Ian's quiz. I'm confident. <laughs> I can't wait to the second half of this podcast. Oh, oh, if Niall loses, it'll just be radio silence, won't it? Oh my goodness. You might, I might just go and have to make myself a brew or something and just sit in the I'm office just absolutely fuming. Right, should we play this quiz then? Come on then. Ian's got a quiz for us. 
You ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. He's oh, got, he's we got, ready. We got the, the, mu- the fired up music as well. Ah, uh, yes. Go on, running on spot. Right. right. How's it going to work, Ian? Come on, give us a rundown. I'm just going to shout questions out. Wow. First one to answer it. Wow, okay. Oh Wins. my gosh, so it's quick fire. I'm quick not looking fire. forward to this at all. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> right, I'm ready. Are you ready, Go on, Ian? Of course I am. Hit us oh, with it, mate. Ready. You ready? Right. Berry and Portsmouth first met each other back to back on the 26th and 27th of December. But in what year? Oh my goodness. 1983. 1992. 1927. Wow. Oh my gosh. How long are we? Whoa. That's awful. Miles away. Zero. 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 Right, the teams since 1927 have played each other 33 times. How many goals in total has been scored? How many goals in total? How many games? uh, 33 times. We'll go nearest one. 67. 67 is your shout. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's one. It's either. 46. 89 goals. 89! Proper goal no. fest. Average over two and a half goals per game. It's going to be a good in Tuesday. It's going to be nil-nil. You know it will be. Right, be next one. In. It's still nil-nil in this contest as well. Right, you ready? I'm ready, mate. I love this one. It took me ages, this one. <laughs> Name the one manager that both Portsmouth and Berry have had. Wow. Jim Smith. Go on. Richie I'm Barker not. Richie Barker yeah. it's Richie Barker yes, yes. <laughs> oh, why did I say Jim Smith oh my god Richie Barker, Richie Barker I've erased yeah. him from my mind he was so terrible at Portsmouth he was okay at oh, Berry. he was, he okay. was awful at Portsmouth he used to wear shorts and football socks on the touchline in the dugout no matter what the weather <laughs> an Owen Coyle kind of guy awful awful manager Sorry. oh I love that honestly I was scrolling through I'm thinking I've got to get this right me right so is that 1-0 nail I'm taking it. 1 0 now. I'm nil. taking it. 1 0. Are you ready? I'm ready. Right, so we like our biscuits here, don't we? Do, yeah. Biscuit related. Who has the cheapest cup of tea at their ground according to footballstadium.co.uk? Oh, it's got to be Berry. Where's the cheapest? Cheapest cup of tea. I think it's a quid at Fratton Park. I'm going to go Fratton Park. What are you going? Berry. 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 Nail makes it 2 yeah. 0. <laughs> Bang on the money as well, a quid. It's a quid, isn't it? Yeah. £2.20 at Gig Lane. What, for a cup of tea? For a brew. That's daylight robbery. Two quid. Two quid. Couldn't believe it. Oh my god. So do I take the do I take the W there? Do I win? That's it. Yeah, hey, yes. Game unbeaten. Sorry, Aaron. Unfortunately. That's two defeats in a row for me. Two wins, two defeats. (laughs) Get home. You need to sort yourself out, mate. You need to pick up your form. (laughs) I know I'm on a bit of a I'm on a bit of a losing streak. Coming up in the next part of the podcast, I'm going to be a lot happier because I won the quiz. There we go, look at him bouncing uh, about now. We're also going to be talking about Bolton. Is there a twist in a tail in this potential ownership saga? We've, of course, been talking about Ken Anderson over the last few weeks. So we're going to be discussing whether Bolton Wanderers might have a new owner come the start of next season. We're also going to be talking about the EFL and how that's looking going forward following the announcement that Sean Harvey, the chief executive, will step down at the end of the season. Go and give us a follow on Twitter. It's at MCRFootySocial. Use the hashtag EFL below if you want to get in contact with the show. Also, if you take a shining towards Manchester City or Manchester United, the two teams we don't talk about on this show because they've got their own dedicated podcasts. Go and find them. Just search Manchester United Football Social or Manchester City Football Social wherever you get your podcasts. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The Manchester Football Social, EFL and Below Show with Football Mank Cave. Welcome back to the EFL and Below Show. Niall McCorn here. We've got Aaron and Ian in the studio. How are you, gents? Are we good? I'm actually very sad now. I oh, know, no, he's just lost. I'm absolutely lost. buzzing. Two quid 20 for a brew at oh, Gig Lane. That is, that's abominable, that. that. That's a pint. <laughs> it is a pint. Did you say it's a pound at Portsmouth? It's a quid at Pompey. Has it gone down since you've been uh, falling down the leaves? I don't know, mate. I don't know, to be totally <laughs> honest with you. Two pounds 20, like you're saying, you get a pint of It's strong, a pint in here with that. And a pint of strong, but the race is for that. Honestly, uh-huh. better, better be like you, Darjeeling or something. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you said the brew's not that good at Berry as well, didn't you, Aaron? I don't drink tea, but I can't. <laughs> the, the coffee's not great, so I can't imagine the tea's going to be any better. Oh, I'm, still, I'm still laughing at the word abominable. I've not heard that in ages. Uh, I'll tell you what has been abominable is the way that Bolton Wanderers have been run recently. Ken Anderson, their owner, has come out and admitted that he can't really afford to run the club. He's looking for buyers. He's also been slagging off the local press and more than one occasion and he's been at it again gents the Bolton saga continues and uh, reports of potential new owners but it's come out of the horse's mouth so to speak Ken Anderson has been the one that's been saying Bolton do need new owners and he's been saying that there are interested parties in taking over the club yeah I think that's I think that's a a good move I think him staying in charge is only going to take Bolton one way and you can sort of see that happening this season Whoever it is, I think they need to get this deal sort of tied up and, and sort of right this season off, and I think they're going to get down to League One and, and rebuild. A bit like Sunderland did um, last season. They'll get new owners in and, and rebuild. Um, but like I say, for him to finally come out, I, I don't know why more people don't do that. Like If there's speculation growing, players, managers, whatever, just come out and just tell them what the story is, and it, it can just put everyone's mind at ease. Obviously, the fans have been through the mill this year, and... For him just to go, right, there's an interested party, happy days, there's not like this guy over there or a Russian guy over there or this consortium, it's it's one person, let's hopefully they can get the deal done. They're 23rd in the championship, I think they're going to go down. They are a club in crisis, Aaron. Um, it was reports that came out that it was a Turkish consortium. Ken Anderson has poo-pooed those claims. Uh, he's also poo-pooed claims that any Russian investment will be coming into the club. He said that that's not a real thing. But there are some parties interested in the club. I think it's important for the owner, 
considering the amount of backlash there's been from the fans, to be transparent with the supporters, because that's the least they deserve. At least he's come out and said that there's no interest from Turkey, no interest from Russia. Let the fans know who is interested then. Yeah, I think the fans will just want truth. They want some substance, don't they? They've seen the debacle which has taken place on the pitch this season. And, you know, you just want some good news, don't you? And, you know, rumours flying around. Is this guy interested? Is this guy not interested? You know, from Turkey, from Russia, various different places. And uh, what you just need is Ken Anderson to come out and just lay the uh, lay the story straight and say, we're interested in this area. We're not... We have interest in this area and in some areas, you know, this isn't going... We don't think we're going to uh, have a new chairman. And you just want to see... Um, you just want, as I said before, you just want some truth to the matter, don't you? They're probably likely to go down next year, Bolton Wanderers. I actually think it'd be a good time for them to go down mm. so they can rebuild properly. Exactly right like now what it, Ian was saying about the yeah, Sunderland thing. Yeah, just uh, you go down and... It, at the moment, it just feels like, you know, it's one game at a time, one disaster after another every time. Yeah. You've got to have more of a, a long-term outlook, thinking we need to still be a club in five years' time, whether we're a club in League One. You almost want to be a, for me, in my opinion, you want to be like a stable League One club to start off with yeah. than a, um, a yo-yo club championship to League One because then you sort of you get no consistency and you just want, you know, if we can, they can some way balance the books in League One and then when your financial situation is pretty strong, then you can build on and hopefully then become a, a reasonably permanent championship club and then maybe move on. Goodness grief, it'd be a massive statement to say maybe one day they'd be back in the Premier League. Right now it feels like baby steps with Bolton Wanderers, just one day at a time, just making small little improvements. Ken Anderson uh, resigning as the chair, as the chairman, uh, new guy coming in to be the um, to be the chairman and then just maybe uh, looking to build on in a new era because right now it feels as though it can't get any worse. Why is he there? Why is Ken Anderson there? It's just like he's, he's got no money. He's not got he's got money but not enough to run the football club. He's been attacking local journalists in terms of what he's been putting out through the club. He's been using the club as a statement, a vehicle. He's been making statements through the club, I should say, using it as a vehicle to to put his point across and he's been rubbishing what journalists have been saying who are genuinely trying to do their job and find out the truth for the fans because the fans are the ones that spend money on season tickets they spend £2.20 on a cup of tea or whatever it might be or a pie the supporters are always last to be thought of in this situation I know football clubs are businesses but they mean a whole lot more than that to so many people a lot of people I would say with a football club obviously chairmans move on players, managers they, they have a temporary sort of hold on the club and then they move on. But the fans, are, are they, can't, they no. can't just no. switch from, from club to club. And they all they want to know is that what where the club's heading, what they're doing and and how it's going to affect us, basically. Obviously, mm. when it's going good, this sort of stuff, even though it, it's, it's there, doesn't affect you as much as when you're, when you're down at the bottom and, and you've, you've won once this year and I think since like middle of December or something. And... Um, You've got a manager there who's not really getting the best out of the players. You've got fans who are getting disgruntled. You've got a chairman who's who's just all over Gaff. Who, who like you say, is is he seems to be like a bit of a um, look at me type guy, doesn't he? he? He constantly sort of puts his little chairman's notes out each week, and he he's, he wants to be on on Twitter. He wants to be out there and like look at me. I'm Ken Anderson type thing. And I think it's just getting a little bit tiresome now. And I think the fans. I think the fans just want to know, look, who's 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 coming in and how quick can we get this guy out? If I'm Ken Anderson and I'm the chairman of Bolton Wanderers, 
you don't want to be going around boasting and making big flashy statements when you're in the relegation zone and you've got bad form, don't you? You and want to be chairman. Totally you don't want totally to be saying I mean, I've got no money. Totally say it anyway. It's but a when shambles. You're down... It's embarrassing. If you're a fan of the club, you don't want your chairman coming out giving it all the large one on social media and through statements and stuff like that. I mean, even if like they're doing well, you just think you know, just stay quiet and enjoy yeah. the moment to yourself. But when you're down at the bottom, it's like even worse. You know, you listen to uh, read what Bolton fans say. Some blame Parkinson, the manager, saying the tactics aren't good enough not getting the best out of the players Other, others blame Ken Anderson so it feels like there's a bit of a civil war going they, on and they, you don't quite know who to blame the fans want to blame someone mm. and I think pointing the finger at Phil Parkinson is so shallow of it's the easy option it's isn't it? so, such an easy option yeah. the man is dealing with players that weren't paid for a substantial period of time why should the players be asked if they're not getting paid. Yeah. Simple as that. And I know football's a profession where people are privileged in terms of the finances that they, they receive from being football players, but the players aren't getting paid on time. Anderson's running the club like an absolute circus, and it's just like, why should Phil Parkinson get the blame for whatever's going on above his head? He's trying his very best to keep Bolton in the championship with the resources he's got. If he doesn't have the adequate resources to do the job, surely the, the axe must fall on the head of the chairman. And hopefully that's what a lot of supporters, and I think we should point out the majority of supporters, seem to be pointing the finger at, at Anderson. Yeah, like you say, yeah, with, with Parkinson, he can only he can only deal with the hand he's dealt. And he's, if he's got unmotivated players, like you say, who ain't got paid, if anybody goes to a job and you've worked for a month and you don't get paid, you're not going to put 100% go, in, are you? You wouldn't go back, You'd be you? like, look, I'm not doing nothing until you pay me. 100%. Obviously it's there for, for them player-wise, obviously, they can move on so they can put themselves in a, a spotlight as such, but the whole feeling around sort of Bolton is is bad vibes in it, basically, is the nicest way of putting it, and I think going into that environment every single day has got to have an effect on you, and it's got to like, gradually sort of knock you down to the point where like I say, they're near enough for shooing to to get yeah. to get relegated. I'm not saying uh, you know it's right to blame Phil Parkinson. He probably's got the toughest job in English football at the moment because the situation at Bolton Wanderers isn't very good. But it does feel like you know the situation they're in. You just want a new owner to come in. You just want a rebranding of the club almost, and feels you know they just get back to ground level, ground zero, and then maybe they can do some rebuilding. Because the situation at the moment, it's only going to get worse, going going to get worse. And with Ken Anderson as the chairman, you can't really see any light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I said earlier, Ken Anderson needs to be more transparent. He's quick to go and rubbish the claims of a Turkish consortium being interested or Russian money being pumped into the club. But then he goes on and says, first and foremost, I'll never disclose the identity of any of the prospective buyers, uh, as non-disclosure agreements usually prevent this, and rightly so. That's fair enough if it's legally binding and he can't reveal who's going to take over the club. But what happened to my team, Portsmouth, is we were being passed from owner to owner to owner to owner, and we didn't know who these people were, what their background was, what their pedigree was. How do the club's supporters, how do Bolton Wanderers fans know that when Ken Anderson sells the club, if the fans don't know who Anderson's selling to, how can they be sure that they're not going to be in the same position at the end of next season, or even in the more short term? Obviously now Anderson's a case of he just wants to sell and get out. So he will sell to literally anybody who's got the money for him. And that's that, that's a that's a gamble. That's a massive I mean, a gamble that could work, but it could be a gamble if he's selling it off cheap just to get his money back as such. It could fall into the hands of another Ken Anderson. I mean, that's what I mean. I mean, yeah. the supporters need to know. I know you said about non-disclosure agreements and it all being legal and binding and stuff like that. But the supporters because of the situation the club is in, I think deserve to know who Anderson will sell the club to before it happens, just purely because they can say, right, 
we don't like this idea. Why not let's launch a bid, much like Portsmouth did, yeah. with the fans, with the supporters' trust, to launch a takeover amongst supporters, and then it's back into the hands of the people who truly care about the club the most. Yeah, you just want, I agree, you just want either Ken Anderson to say everything or him to say nothing because there's no point you know just dipping your toe in the water say you know giving a little bit you either want it all or just you know just keeping wait, people sweet wait, by the wait, sounds of it yeah, yeah just wait till you know a deal's done and uh, Ken Anderson's out of the football club he, uh, the way he runs the club he's not a very good business model he's probably not a very good chairman model no. and as I said before you just want obviously if the fans could take over people who truly love the football club because clearly Ken Anderson doesn't love the football club or care about the football club like the fans do and I think what Bolton probably need is just someone with them um, Maybe some fans with a bit of emotion who actually want the best for the football sure. club. Because the way things are going, you can almost see them stalling in League One. They might end up in League Two. And it just feels like, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, as I said before. And it feels like they're just dwindling. And it's going mm. to get worse before it's going to get better. Unless there's a massive changeover. And that can only be with the chairman and not a new manager. There will be a big change at the EFL because at the end of the season, the current chief executive, Sean Harvey, will be standing away from his role. He's the man ultimately responsible for the fit and proper owners test. He's the man that goes around and approves owners or at least should be taking a keen interest in who the new owners are at football clubs. He has failed the likes of Blackpool. He's failed the likes of Blackburn. Now he's failed the fans of Bolton Wanderers as well. In my opinion, the way he changed the Checker Trade trophy was a bit of a joke. There's a lot of things he's done which have not been great. The EFL came out and released a statement and said we're going to be parting ways with Sean Harvey at the end of the season. We want to take the, the, the Football League in a new direction. You, you don't just resign from your job unless you're forced. It feels like he was pushed yeah. to resign. But I think it could be a positive step because, as I said, I listed those clubs. My club is one of them. Sean Harvey's failed a lot of clubs in terms of safeguarding football club ownership I think I think it needs a massive change at the EFL huge change like I said a couple of podcasts ago EFL Championship is the fifth most watched league in Europe hmm. and obviously it has, it has quite a lot of big teams in there I mean you, you look at it like you say you've got Leeds Nottingham Forest Aston Villa Aston, yeah well, Villa nearly all of the teams have been in the Premiership at one point yeah it's a, it's a huge it's a huge league and a, and a huge job and I think the way he's gone about it and the way he's changed things around haven't gone well with the fans, especially with the Checker Trade Trophy. Exactly. He's and it's one only, of the probably the reasons he is... He only did that to uh, to appease Premier League clubs, which yeah. is disgusting. Because... Like the, the introduction of Premier League too. You know, like the oh, just... instant Checker Trade, it's, it's pointless. We've, we've touched it numerous times. Oh, Absolutely no. pointless. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, you say it's the fifth most watched league in Europe. The disparity in television money between the Championship and the Premier League is enormous. It is a huge gulf between the money that you get for championship clubs and the money you get for Premier League clubs. That is something which Sean Harvey agreed with Sky Sports when he signed the deal, which has really annoyed some championship clubs, particularly at the start of the season. Yeah, because it uh, wasn't approved, wasn't it? There was a lot of unrest with the championship clubs. And uh, if you're Sean Harvey, you want to be, as we talked about with Bolton and Ken Anderson not being a very good business model, the EFL, the fifth most watched league in the world, I think what's so great about English football is the strength of our football league outside the Premier League, the strength of the Championship League 1 and 2 clubs. You know, it's so unique, the situation with, with the equivalent in Spain and France and Italy yeah. is not that strong. So I think this is something that we should all, as English football fans, feel really proud of. When we, we should want to protect it. And the ways to uh, to do the opposite of that is what Sean Harvey has done is you know, bringing Premier League under-23s into the Checker trade, which is a bad idea. That should be for you know League 1 and League 2 clubs and just protect it for them. That's like their you know, little uh, 
little FA Cup, isn't it? Yes, really? their little FA Cup. It's like the it's like bringing um, non-league uh, League One and Two clubs into the FA Trophy, for example. You just wouldn't yeah. do it. It's like for them, and it's their own unique competition. And I feel like Sean Harvey sort of. He's not protected those clubs, and no, you know, the Berries, the Rochdale, the Oldhams, you know, the precious, you know, football league clubs who will spend their entire existence in League One and Two. He's a representative of them, not 100%. say a Newcastle or an Aston Villa who are gone and Leeds who are gonna uh, go from uh, Championship to Premier League. He's not really representing them in as big a way in the Blackpools. He's got to protect those clubs, 100%. and he hasn't done so because of the, the the terrible chairman. He's kind of bypassed them. League One and League Two. He's just like let's concentrate on Championship. And League One and League Two are just are just there. Twenty years ago, this year, Manchester City, who we don't talk about because they're in the Premier League, obviously, were in the playoff final against Gillingham, and they won that game. And it's one of the biggest games in Manchester City's history. It's been talked about a lot. There's a reunion this year, 2019, for the boys of '99 after you know they won that playoff final. Imagine this happened twenty years ago. We're in 1999. Manchester City are in League One, and Manchester United's under 21s have a game against Manchester City first team in the Checker Trade Trophy. How ridiculous is yeah. that? So I just don't understand who thought it was a good idea because it's just it's just not a good idea at all. It's a terrible idea. Some decent backhanders going on. That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm just, I, I think you're right. I think the Premier League has said, well, up the prize money in the competition. Yeah. The prize money in the competition, to Harvey's credit, has increased massively, but at the detriment of people attending games. The attendances have dropped. They've plummeted you've got to look at the motives of harvey and they have been not for the fans not so you can get fans through the gates and increase the gate money for smaller clubs in league two and league one who need that gate money you know it's just to, to increase the uh the revenue in the in his back pocket in the uh in the efl's back pocket and probably to improve his reputation and on the financial front mm. but obviously uh, that's had an opposite effect and because uh his reputation and his legacy will um, isn't the best, probably. Well, I don't know who's going to come in to the job, but whoever they are, as long as they do a better job than Harvey's done, I don't particularly think the guy's done a decent <laughs> job. But no. I'm allowed to say that because this is a podcast, so I can <laughs> say my opinion. Um, but uh, as you say, I'm sure there'll be some people out there that think Harvey's done a half-decent job. I think Graham Alexander, for our final topic of the podcast, is doing a half-decent job at Salford. I think you need to remember where they were a couple of seasons ago. We said this on last week's show. To where they are now has been a massive jump. You were there at the Dover game. They lost 3-1 at home. Not great performance-wise. Not great from the supporters in terms of how they felt after the game. What did you make of that game? They're, they're starting to slip a little bit. Yeah, it was kind of one of them games where if you're a no, an Alexander out, because we've, uh, we've been discussing, and this isn't a myth, there are a few fans who were unhappy oh. with Graham Alexander. This is a fact. This isn't a fiction or anything. It was one of those games where, where if you are one of those people, you know, this was a game where you'd be thinking, right, that's a game where we could get him sacked. If you know, if you were doing a PowerPoint presentation, you'd look back on that game, and there was a lot of tactical changes. Second half, there was a lot of manoeuvring mm. around, uh, and none of it really seemed to work. Really, they had a great start with uh, Dennis Politic, yeah, Politic, yeah. Politic Good going that great miles out. Beckerbest goal, and it was like you thinking, is it going in? And then it drops in, and there was you know a great vibe around the ground. But that seemed to drip, dip second half, and the worrying thing for me was. Salford, even at 2-1 down, it looked more like Dover were going to go 3-1 up than it was going to go to 2-2. And Salford had a lot of the ball, you know, passing it in and around, but they weren't. They had a lot of set pieces, but there was no real great threat. And the fact that Dover are just outside the uh, the relegation zone now, and t- Salford are just outside the uh, the automatic playoffs of uh, the National League, I think it would have been uh, pretty worrying because they just seemed to lack a lot of inspiration and... 
the midfield it just seemed to vanish and mm. it wasn't it wasn't a good afternoon for Salford and they're in a bit, a bit of a bad run but um, as I said on the uh, the website in my uh, uh, post match review you've um, you've got to look at where they've come and there needs to be a great uh, deal of perspective and realism in the situation I was chatting to a Salford fan just this morning mm. and um it it was it was refreshing to see after sort of seeing so many people sort of putting polls up about Alexander out and stuff like that and he said look like Beginning at when Alexander come in, we were like, right, let's at least sort of stabilise ourselves in National League. When we went unbeaten, like exceeded expectation. Mm. Now, because of that expectation, the first half, people have have sort of risen. Like, right, we, we should be getting promotion. But the guy were basically saying, look, if we don't get promoted, it's not the end of the world. Two scenes in the national in National League is like okay. Do you know what I mean? It's it's all right. Find your feet and then go up. If we were to go up at the first time of asking, that was like above and beyond of what I was going to say normal Salford fans, but the old school Salford fans was expecting. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's, as we spoke about last week, it's the new breed that have come in and kind of gone, look, they've had three promotions out of four. We should be going up again. Obviously, the start made that as well, and it, it sort of lifted the whole ground. But what are they now? Yeah, I think they're fifth. They're still in the playoffs. They're fifth. Not- in the, and I said to the guy, look, even if you get playoffs this season, like what an achievement! It's, it's, it's an impossible league to get out of yeah. in terms of. There's one automatic promotion spot, and that's for the champions. And then the playoffs, we know, is a is a really strange gauntlet of I think six six or eight teams in in the national league shake up. So yeah. it is really really interesting. And there's still twelve games to go for goodness' sake. I mean, so, they, Alexander could turn that around, and they could be back in that promotion push within a couple of games. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. they're still in the promotion push, aren't yeah. they? At they're some right point, every there. club's going to have that rocky patch throughout the season. Yeah, well, let's hope uh, Portsmouth's rocky patch comes to an end against Berry in the Checker Trade Trophy game. Aaron will be hoping for otherwise, but we have reached the end of the show. Are we having pre-match predictions, by the way? Oh, I don't know. Don't oh, come you on. never know pre-match predictions. Come of on. course, 2-1 uh, Berry. Nail. Oh, Go one, about your team. 1-1. One, one. Oh, you're one, optimistic, one. aren't you? Pompey to pinch it. <laughs> Pompey to pinch it late. Yeah. Pompey to pinch it what late. What do you think, Ian? What I, do you th- think? I think the curry and beer will be bang on, but I'll be staying away from cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> Too expensive, mate. Too expensive. This has been the EFL and Below show with the Football Man Cave right here from the Manchester Football Social. My thanks to Ian. Thanks for the quiz, by the way, mate. Decent quiz. Thank you. And I won as well, so happy days. Thanks to Aaron. Who's... Thank you very much. One day I will write a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> so your next task. Uh, I've been Niall. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so every time we do release a new podcast here at the EFL and Below show, it drops straight into your inbox. Also, go and subscribe to the Manchester Football Social and our dedicated City and United podcast feeds. All you need to do is search Manchester Football Social, Manchester City Football Social or Manchester United Football Social, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a nice little review as well. That would mean a lot to us. Uh, and download and subscribe and do whatever you need to do. Also, at MCR Footy Social on Twitter, use the hashtag EFL below to get in contact with us. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.